welcome to the ghost gig. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. See you shimmying around trying to get it was It was more of a fidget than a shimmy, but you're being very flattering, so thank you. <laughs> little, uh, little Vincey shimmy it, in the chair. I mean, I'll be honest, it was a fidget. I was <laughs> fidgeting. But I'm now now not sitting on my foot, so that's good. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd have to stay like that the entire time, so you know the sound of the mic doesn't change. So no, just... I'd, I'd just have to like very very subtly like get off my foot when it goes numb, which hopefully will be the time you're in your story, so I could probably get away with it. Um, <laughs> but that this, doesn't always work out it'd properly just be for this me. Yelp of pain in the background. No, like, I'm not doing it. Again. No, I normally just sort of wince, <laughs> like as the pins and needles takes hold, and you go. Oh! <laughs> um, so there's a little window into our lives. <laughs> Um, and how it sometimes looks in the room when we're sitting here recording these Aren't episodes. Are you jealous? Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I am. So we're back to our film review. Film! And the film we Back watched. to the classics for, well, classic format. Classic, classic format, classic ghost yeah, kick format. Yeah, it's not a classic film. We're, no, we're being, no. more, being more edgy. Yeah. Um, what did we watch? We watched Get Out. We did. Which was a, you know, it's a well-titled film. Often we watch things that have frankly forgettable titles horror mm-hmm. films are not the best of titles i will say that of all the film genres i feel think it's a bit of a weakness yeah. but no this one was a, a well multi-layered title yeah and um you know of course jordan peele yep is, has done many many a good horror film in, in uh, us is no is that us yes us is another favorite of mine that my uncle calls us so every time we talk about us he says uh, oh, yeah us. <laughs> hey, that's not funny. Anyway, we're talking no, about not. Get oh, Out. I think one of the writers of this one was also one of the writers of Wendell and Wild. Oh, right. No, of course. Yeah. Um, Just, and I did not know until afterwards. But, oh, that's the that's TV cool. show Them. I did some also... actual research this time. Mm. Them, them was really yeah, good. Yeah. So I was thinking, was it Us, Them? Because it's all that got these kind of one word titles, you know, Us, Them, Get Out, or two word well, titles. Well, yeah. Um, They're still very short and to the point, aren't they? So Get Out is from 2017. Chris, an African-American man, decides to visit his Caucasian girlfriend's parents during a weekend getaway. Although they seem normal at first, he is not prepared to experience the horrors that lie ahead. Wait, he's called Chris? He's called Chris. What do you think he was called? Something else. Like Bob or something. I'll need to redo a bit of my song now. I'm not kidding. Okay. I I I was following an IMDB character cast listing. If you put Daniel, because that's his real name, I think. Danny, yeah. Yeah, that's his real name. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's okay. Okay, no, Danny's you're fine. Still, you're still referring to the to the actor, so that's all right. Yeah, I should be referring to the character, really. I th- oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, it's I, okay. I'm, I'm terrible with character names and things anyway, but... Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm sure In the, the, in the lyrics you. of the song, Chris doesn't really work so well. Danny is a more singable name. Yeah, well, his name is Danny. Um, Daniel Kalya. And I'm, I'm, that's probably terribly wrong. So, but um, you know, you know, his, from, you know his face. Guy from Black Mirror. Um, he was in um, and Psychoville. Skin, skins. skins, Psychoville, which is obviously yeah, his Psychoville's finest moment. Great. Obviously, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's a tea link though. There, there isn't it? So that's fine. Tea leaf, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he'll forgive you for calling him Daniel or Danny because that is his name. Um, okay. I have to say, when I posted, I don't know if you saw when I posted that we were reviewing this film. I think it was a lady um, commented underneath saying. Um, my my other half and I are a mixed race couple, and the, this film came out just before we had to go and meet his parents. Oh, I think it wonderful! Was. And I said, I hope you had a better time than Chris does. And she, I think she said, Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> fine. But Good. she said it didn't bow. I felt like it was a bad sign. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, if you're listening, thanks for listening, and uh, it, thank you for sharing that with me because it was uh, it was it sounded very ironic and a bit freak freaky. So absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, meeting the parents is always going to be terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, especially if you know you've got certain things that are, are going to worry you like that. So yeah, it's going to prey on your mind. I guess. Of course, I bet, it is. So. Of course, it is. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> what What did you think then of the film? Okay, yes. Uh, yeah, we should do a review, we shouldn't should we, do. rather than just babble Ch- pointlessly. Shit, yeah. yeah. Daniel, Chris. Yeah, Danny, Chris. Yeah. Danny, Chris. Um, I thought Danny, Chris was very good. He was. He was <laughs> very, very good. Um, but no, um, okay, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I was a little perplexed. I actually did a bit of looking into it afterwards because I was curious to know where it had come from. And they wrote... Some listings listed it as like sort of a comedy, and I thought this isn't funny. There was some. I thought there was some comical moments. Yeah, but no more than you often get in no. any film. No, as in the oh, here's a brief moment where someone says something vaguely funny, like a person. Yeah, would. I wouldn't say but it was. A, it doesn't feel like a comedy. I wouldn't say it was comedy. It um, was... Not even like a dark comedy. Like it's, it's no, it's just a drama. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the, horror. The, the character of, of Chris, he was quite. Um, I'm trying to think of the right words. Uh, he was. It was quite a chilled sort of, oh, you know, fine, you know, like, oh, yeah, okay, fine, whatever, you know, like he's clearly used to having to put up with shit, and that sometimes came across as quite funny because he was just kind of resigned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I see, I see why you could derive humour from it, but yeah. I, I think actually they were quite sensible to actually not make a comedy about this, make no, a horror, no, make a horror. This was cleverer use of, the- yeah. Um, I mean, I really, really enjoyed it. There's only so much we can take from it though, because obviously we are not people of colour we don't yeah. we do not know what it's like to be a person of colour um, and I imagine this is something that is on the mind of you know someone of colour it's on their mind a lot about well, meeting yeah, the you point know. of the film is probably to put people in the mind yeah exactly you of know, what it's it, like it, it was very successful at doing that absolutely I uh, it, but it's also a well executed horror film too yeah like, absolutely it, it's slickly done for people who don't normally make horror films actually I, I gather like, yeah. it was it was well done well that's what I mean Jordan Peele is so good at doing that of, of making you Tense. Yeah, well, and testing you and making you think differently as well. Yeah. You know, the same yeah. with us and them. <laughs> um, scary. They're, they're scary, but he he comes up with really unique new ideas and such a saturated horror. Yeah, you know, like there's there's some really like you go through it. And yeah, it makes you think of Rosemary's Baby. I think you said when we were watching, and there's other things that kind of reminded me of as well. Oh, I can't remember what it was. Red State or something like I that. There's, there's some other things that it, you think. Oh, it's sort of. It has a mm. similar vibe to some of these notions in other films. I don't remember it being Rosemary's Baby. There was a bit of a Stepford Wives vibe. Of yeah, the kind of everyone's really happy. All the, well, yeah, yeah. So basically, the fa- I mean, and I'm going to say there probably will be spoilers here because my stories are kind of based around the twist and the spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film and you don't want to know the spoiler, probably don't listen to this episode because <laughs> yeah, well, or come back later. Come back later. We'll still be here. Um, you know, the family is a white is a Caucasian family, but every person of color there is is um a member of staff to them and all the all the staff members are very happy all the time and really you know really freakishly happy with really weird fixed like smile that was just i said oh they've mm. watched uh, oh, people yeah, who made yeah. smile have watched this film the smiles on the faces were very similar to the smile in smile yeah um yes the only um person of color who wasn't a staff member was a sort of a guest at this wedding and again he had this weird smile on his face so it's like oh everything's wonderful and you're like <laughs> you know? yeah so yeah. yeah um there's some really awkward moments in there but it's it yeah it preys on you yeah and you, you praising know, you for that and you're you're trying really 
you're trying to figure out what because there's the horror only really comes at the end, doesn't it? It's very it is. Subtle. It's for most of it. It's I would say a social thriller. Yeah. Um, so you're trying to figure out where's the horror. Um, the if you remember, um, uh, Chris has had a traumatic past, and his you know future mother-in-law, shall we say, mm. is uh, what would you call her a psychic mind reader. And she's not a psychic; she's a psychologist. Psychologist, sorry, very but different. She, but thing. she gets in. Sorry, but she gets into his head and basically she hypnotizes him to try, and, to try and help smoking well, at least help. ostensibly. Yeah, but uh, yeah. In my head, it was like sorry. I said mind reader because you know there was all that kind of like stuff with going into his past and and I don't know. Sorry, apologies. My best friend's <laughs> a psychologist. She's going to kill me. Yes, she is. <laughs> she's going to kill me. I'm very it's okay. Sorry. It's okay. There's water in the way. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm tired. I'm tired. But, but you know, there is a quite a, a paranormal t- style scene where she gets into his head, and it is spooky. It is paranormal. I'm sure going to a psychologist isn't actually like that most of the time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You probably don't come out totally traumatized by it. I would hope. It's oh. not really a paranormal film, though. It, it is. No. It is. Yeah, it's it's not paranormal for what we tend to often no. sway toward. But no, it was, it was a really well made. But you think film there might be because of this kind of this yeah. paranormal ish scene with the mother in law, and then you're thinking, what's wrong with you know what's wrong with all these people that are you know the, yeah what, there's something wrong. And you think you're you're thinking, okay, are they possessed? Um, you know, is there some evil force? I mean, there is an evil force, but it's, you're you're trying to figure out what exactly the horror is. Well, that's the you? play because it, it's yeah. introduced to you as a horror film. You know, you're watching a horror film, but yeah, because you don't know exactly how, what direction this is all going to go. That's you, you are being toyed with, and it's very effectively done. Yeah, it's uh, just a very sinister air throughout the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and it makes it fun, yeah, I would say. It does the make it fun. element of surprise does make it very you're fun You're trying to, to guess as well. And a lot of time in horror films, you know what's going on and the characters don't. Whereas yeah. here, you had no clue what was going on. I mean, on. you figure it out before the main character does because he's living it. Yeah. Well, his friend. So obviously, they're aw- so the couple are there with the, um, the, the freaky parents. And Chris's friend is at home checking in on him. And he's uh, Chris is obviously phoning his friend saying, well, this is a bit strange, that's a bit strange. You know, they're behaving yeah. like this, behaving like that. There's a long period where he's just suspicious and mm. he just refuses to acknowledge yeah. anything too much. And then all of a sudden towards the end, revelation occurs yeah. and everything. But the friend, then it's, and then it's a horror film. Because the friend is worried. He, he uh, of, of course, he gets involved and he's part of kind of rescuing him, isn't he? So yeah. You kind of you're probably kind of seeing things from the friend's perspective in the way, aren't you? Trying to figure Perhaps, out what's yeah, happening. Perhaps, yeah, we are... He is our voice in the film. I'm yeah, that basically, regard. he was quite a funny character. The friend, can't yes, remember what his name yeah. was. You know, he was quite a a, a larger than life like comedy yeah. character. If you were going to have he a comedy, was, character. he is straight out of a sitcom. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, he was yeah. good fun. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was a great film. It you know it makes you think. It you know, it it gets inside your head and you, it makes you you have to ha- sort of think intelligently to kind of watch it. I yeah, I'd say there are a few moments where they say the credibility of the whole sort of plot does mm. wobble a bit, but you don't really mind. You'll forgive it that because you, you're kind of too busy digging your hands into the arms of a chair, which happens later yeah. in the film for the protagonist, actually. Yeah. Uh, like you forgive it a lot. Yeah. Um, also, it's the first time and maybe maybe you've had other occasions where this has happened, but this is the first time I found spoons terrifying. I always find spoons terrifying. Okay, no, fair enough. Yeah, that that um, that's so clever. The tapping on the teacup with the spoon—that's kind of what the psychologist uses to kind of snap it's Chris the, in and out of. It's uh, the trigger, yeah, yeah, to sort of put so him into a state. She's kind of got him in this state by sort of hypnotizing with the spoon on the teacup, and then going forward, she can then just snap him back into that state by tapping a teaspoon on a teacup, which yes. is really clever. Basically, um, just I now understand what you were doing earlier. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, good. Good. <laughs> so I just had, I was rummaging through the cupboards earlier in the kitchen, um, just clanging away on our various crockery. Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? So I'm trying to find the right sound. Yes, yeah, I was. loads of mugs with his teaspoon. I was. I like, was okay. And I found them. Oh, oh good. I'm, I'm very happy. That may, now makes sense. I was like, what's it? Oh, never mind. I it's quite a pivotal part of the... Yeah. Of, 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 of the, the film song. of the film I was thinking song, but... I was also thinking like it's fine like just leave him Sunday let him have his day of rest <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think I think I suppose what's there's some funny undercurrents but rather than like, it being overtly a comedy like that whole thing of um, what if going to meet the parents was actually life threatening yeah. That, that is a comedic premise, but it is presented as a horror. And it, yeah. it is very in- enjoyable. And you, you know, I've... Sorry. Oh, you haven't muted your laptop. I haven't. Um, I've always had a soft spot for um, for Daniel. We know, I can't pronounce his surname. I've always I'm had a, I so- can't. I can't remember it. I've always had a soft spot for him ever since, you know, because he was in Psychoville and then he was in Black Mirror and Skins. And, you know, he's, <laughs> he's an actor that we grew up with. So it's it's amazing to see him doing these huge you know yeah. he's a british actor and it's amazing to see him doing these huge horror films and you know okay. i i love what jordan peele represents so i think it's it's great seeing a good british actor part being part of that personally yeah you know fair I mean. enough uh, he's not there there and we're going off the topic there's other there's other individuals doing a similar thing of actually. course something i was watching on netflix a couple of days ago no, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I, I just said i've just got a soft spot for him Mainly yeah. because of Psychoville. <laughs> he, I, he is a very... I, I'm absolutely happy to rewatch Psychoville. Yeah. I mean, he's it's, just, a, it's been time. He's a great actor. It's just like... That was the, all the way through was was good acting. But, you know, he's... Yes. he's so I've got a soft spot for him and he's a good actor. Um, anything else to add before we... Um, I think I've, I think I've mostly... Con- it's just a... Yeah. Okay. Constant menace. It's it's there. Uh, yeah. As I said, the, the story kind of relates to the twist. So I don't know if we just kind of... It's been, it's what, four years old now? Five years old? Yeah. I, I think you can. Okay. So if you don't on. want to know the twist, then turn off now. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Okay. So it turns out that the daughter, who is um, uh, the girlfriend of Chris, basically is sent out as bait to yes. um, capture uh, new meat for the family. And these are generally people of colour, aren't they? They are. And um, the, if I get this right, the family then, the family members who are dying, they're... they're they will have their brains transplanted into the into, other people. Into the boyfriends. Basically, they will, they will have been hypnotised. That's it. And uh, made... Oh, my mind is not not working well. They, they are basically... Um, their, their, their consciousness is basically... Why is my in, mind not working? Because you're tired. Why are you in this discussion when I can't talk? The consciousness <laughs> is put into the boyfriend of the daughter and then so the family members can then live on through and they've just got yeah, this they'll take of, over the body. Yeah, and they, and they do say, why why people of colour? And they just sort of go, well, why not? So well, it's just a bit... It does help it when it's basically, they're fashionable. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, it's, it's really, really horrid. Yeah. Uh, the, well, it's just it's just you know, physique and all that. There, there's lots of unpleasant yeah. undercurrents as how it's all approached. And that's and, kind of shown the, the the party guest. I can't remember his name. The guy, um, the the guy who's been transplanted and he is a guest at the party. Yes. Um, he's you know he's dressed beautifully. He looks beautiful. You know they've it's like they've done up you know dressed up a doll to their yeah, standard. Yeah. You know, it's it's very very clever. Um, but Chris does escape. So he does. You know, he does escape. So. so woo. So woohoo for Chris. Um, and woohoo for Daniel. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, we really, really enjoyed this. Um, I think we watched it on Netflix or I think uh, it was Netflix. I think it was Netflix. Um, highly, highly recommend it. 
definitely. Absolutely, yeah. It's not one for watching when you're a bit pissed and tired with your mates. I think it's one when you kind of want something to for your brain to chew on a little bit, I would say. Yeah, but I think that's absolutely fine. I think the majority of films that we've ended up going through are mm-hmm. more of that. It's not a jump scare shocker anything like that it's a slow burn and yeah but it's really it's really enjoyable um should we play our songs then i think we should play your song yeah okay yeah just because you're invited doesn't mean that you're welcome just because you're invited doesn't mean that you're welcome You're not welcome, you're not welcome. Family inside your head, burrows into your brain, drags up deep dark memories to relive over again. And you try to impress and you try to please and ignore their ignorance, cause it matters to the girl you love, so you gotta give them a Cause you're invited doesn't mean that you're welcome. You're welcome. Just because you're invited doesn't mean that you're welcome. Agreed and kill will get under your skin. You're not welcome. You're not welcome. Can't figure out what's wrong, but something definitely is. Put on trial with fixed on smiles is a twisted, fucked up quiz. And you're vulnerable, the game of mark. Can you play yourself there? Searching around in the dark for the horror you sense is there. was fun okay. no i think you've done that because you just put that unsettling feeling throughout and that also there's that weird moana vibe going through it that's there is now yes <laughs> yeah oh well what can you say no except... no no <laughs> you're not welcome you're not welcome <laughs> yeah um that was the whole kind of vibe you know the, the you know i've been invited but yeah something ain't right yeah so. oh, yeah it is um right Go yeah on, then. yeah let's just do the other one Hit me with your best shot. 
Uh, no. How about this one instead? Honey pot daughter and waspy folks. It's a slow build while the plot thickens. But Danny, he ain't scared of nothing. Not even another motive. Not even a dainty teacup. Well, meeting the parents can always be hard. But man, that's some heavy anticipatory armor But Danny, he ain't scared of nothing Not even another motive And not even a dainty teacup Drawing on horror of having personal space And your body invaded by another conscience But Danny He's not scared of nothing Not even another motive Not being a fetish object Smartly leaning on horror more than comedy Racism felt in your gut not cerebrally But Danny He ain't scared of nothing not even another motive Not even a dainty teacup Well, the freedom of you And the plans of others Sometimes we may be fine They can be at odds But when they act Like you're a trophy Bending the rules for smoking Can cost you more than sleep He's enduring with a smile that's born of years Of having to put up with so much of this But this time, we're in on the joke Yeah, we're in on the joke I hope you put the teacup back in the cupboard. I did, yes, Good. and the teaspoon. Well done. No, that was very clever with the teacup. Good. Well done. Four stars for Vincy. Okay. That's not so five, I'll take that. Four. I'll take that. <laughs> so would you like a story? Yes. Yes. You yes, look, I so, would like you a look story. Surprise. You're like, oh what? <laughs> well, sometimes we talk more afterwards, but I thought, no, no, actually, I don't a story know. does I, I seem think good. Everything we've got to say, watch it. It's a great film. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it does what horror does well. It uses uses horror to amplify something in the human condition. Exactly. And um yeah. yeah. It's uh, worth your time. Absolutely. Um, so I kind of went through a few different like ideas of the story for this because there's a few things you could obviously take from it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's racism in itself is a fucking awful horror thing. Um, and um, or you know, the thought of uh, um, an old spooky house, of course, is always a favourite. Um, but we've done a lot of that. It's not really spooky house so much in this. I no, but it's, it's more invasion of the body snatchers kind of things. Well. There you go. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at some cases of people who have had transplants, like heart transplants. Okay. I like where this is going. And then have experienced strange things afterwards. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Because, of course, in the film, you know, 
uh, you, they're initially basically they get a brain transplant, don't they? In the film, essentially, yeah. Um, but they don't remove the original occupant properly. No, yeah. They get suspended essentially, which is the most horrifying part. Exactly. So they're aware, and they're just yeah there as a as a free rider. Yeah, that's what you were trying to say, wasn't it? Yeah, so, it is essentially. Yeah. So yeah. the the person whose um, brain, uh, the person who it receives the brain, is still there, but it's like they've got another occupant living in their body Ooh. and controlling it and controlling it, which is Ooh. so. Would you like to hear about some real-life transplants that went a bit creepy? Yes, okay. I actually would. Um, if you are on the transplant waiting list right now, um, mm-hmm. sorry. Oh, God, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm sure this doesn't happen <laughs> for very many fine. people. Um, right, here we go. Let's begin. Mm. There have been many and very real reports of people receiving organ transplants, then claiming that they are experiencing the emotions and memories of the deceased person who has unknowingly saved their lives. I've heard of this. This is going to be good. These situations can obviously be unsettling and sometimes change the personality of the patient. Before diving into some cases, it's important to note that traditionally donors ident- the donor's identity is mostly concealed from the person who receives the organ. This is usually down to a psychological basis. However, sometimes a patient doesn't need to know who their saviour is because they can feel it. In one instance, a 47-year-old white male patient received a heart from a 17-year-old male of colour. It wasn't long after the transplant that the man began to develop a fascination for classical music. The man was a foundry worker and had never given classical music so much as a second thought. Yet, he felt the urge to listen as often as he could, for some reason that he couldn't explain. Eventually, he did begin to wonder about his heart donor. But as it had come from a teenage boy, the man seriously doubted that the young man was interested in classical music. Yeah, sensible. After a bit of digging, it transpired that the teenager had been a serious violinist and he'd even died on the way over to a music lesson. He was apparently found still hugging the violin case to his chest. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. In another rather gruelling case, and this trigger warning here because this is very sad, an eight-year-old girl received the heart of a ten-year-old girl who had very sadly been murdered The little girl soon began to have reoccurring nightmares about the murder, something she obviously knew nothing about. Mm. You would not tell a child about, would you? Definitely not. Her mother arranged for her to see a psychiatrist. After a few sessions, the doctors broke the rather alarming news that the little girl was describing actual real-life events that were recorded as witness statements. Eventually, the police were contacted and they used the information given to them by the little girl regarding the murder, the times, the weapon, the place, even the clothes that the murderer had worn, and even what the little girl had said just before her death. Incredibly, this information allowed the police to arrest and put away the little girl's murderer. That's quite that's amazing. surprising yeah. that that's admissible in court as well and can be used as evidence. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, uh, all right, okay. I got this from a newspaper article. I'm assuming okay. it's true. I, yeah. You know? It's impressive still, isn't it? In another instance, a heart donor was 19 years old, a young woman who was killed in a car crash. The recipient was a 29-year-old woman suffering with cardiomyopathy. I think I said that right. Cardiomyopathy. Okay. Here is a quote from the donor's mother, okay? Sarah was the most loving girl. She operated her own health and food restaurant 
and used to constantly scold me for not being vegetarian. <laughs> she was a great kid, wild but great. She was into the free love thing and had a different man in her life every few months. She was man crazy. Well, you know all about that. Oh, time, I do, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always bringing them round, aren't I? I know. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's fine. I bring them <laughs> round too. Anyway. She was able to write some notes to me when she was dying. She was so out of it, but she kept saying how she could feel the impact of the car hitting her. She could feel it going through her body. So here now is a quote from the young lady who received the heart. Okay. okay. You can tell people about this if you want to, but it will make you sound crazy. When I first got my new heart, two things happened to me. First, almost overnight, and sometimes now, I can actually feel the accident my donor had. I can feel the impact on my chest. It slams into me, but the, my doctor says everything looks fine. Also, I hate meat now. I was hmm. McDonald's biggest money maker before, <laughs> but now the smell of a burger actually makes me want to throw up. Even the smell will make my heart race. But that's not a big deal. The strangest thing is that now I am engaged to be married. He's a great guy and we love each other. The sex is great. The problem is, I'm gay. Ah. <laughs> At least I thought I was. After my transplant, I'm not. I don't think so anyway. I'm sort of semi or confused gay. Women are still attractive to me, but my boyfriend turns me on while women don't. I have absolutely no desire now to be with a woman. It's like I've had a sexuality transplant. How weird is That's that? That's got to really muck with your mind. Yeah. So strange. Especially if you don't know this information about your donor mm. beforehand. So obviously I don't know if she learnt this afterwards or she kind of knew before. I'm curious about that with several yeah, of these cases. But, you know, subconsciously you, know. you could, I suppose, start feeling these things because you know whose heart you've got. Yeah, yeah. But if they're all If, if she had no clue, that's amazing. Um, so now we come to the one of the strangest cases of okay. all. Um, and that's of two men who shared the same heart. Uh, the first to have the heart was Jim, and he'd received a heart from a young woman called Sally. Sadly, Jim's lungs were bad, and he had passed away shortly after receiving the heart. The heart, however, was still robust and healthy, so the medical team decided it was okay to go on to another suitable patient. Okay. So it was then transplant transplanted into Fred. Fred, who had been formerly laid back, suddenly began to exhibit aggressive style behaviour, similar to how Jim had apparently behaved. During intimate moments, Fred began to call out the name Sandy, much to the consternation of his wife, Karen. Absolutely. It turned out that Jim's wife had been called Sandra. <laughs> Puts a different spin on Greece, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Sandy. <laughs> oh, no. Unfortunately named Karen as well, you know, and then Sandy, Karen. Um, but we come now to the most uh, probably well-known case of this nature, the one of Claire Sylvia. Have you heard of Claire Sylvia? No, I haven't. Okay. No. Um, Claire is a divorced mother of one, and she was suffering from a disease called pul uh, primary pulmonary hypertension. Okay. Um, I've this, heard of that one. Yep. A condition that would surely kill her unless some drastic action was taken. In 1988, 47-year-old Claire underwent a pioneering heart and lung transplant in America. Wow. Yeah. Organs came from an 18-year-old boy who had tragically died in a motorcycle accident. Claire 
who was a former dancer, then discovered to her amazement that she began to acquire characteristics and the cravings of her donor. And Claire wrote a book called, so this is from Claire's book, A Change of Heart. Okay, this is her writing, um, which is out on sort of the web for all to kind of so. During my final lucid moments before my heart lung transplant, I was told that that a medical team would soon be leaving to harvest the organs that would save my life. Eventually, Mr. Baldwin said to me, we're going to put you under now, Claire. After that, I don't remember anything until slowly becoming aware of the buzz of voices calling my name. Claire, wake up. It's over. I was awakened gently, feeling no bodily or physical sensation. Nothing. Just pure consciousness and a cacophony of voices. I couldn't speak, but I managed to wiggle my fingers. Someone brought me a pen and paper, and I scribbled my question. Did I get them? Oh yes, the voice said. Everything's fine. Then I lapsed back into unconsciousness. Later, after my initial recovery from the operation, I began to think of more questions. I envisioned my new heart breaking free of its stitches and popping right out of my body. (laughs) I suppose you would, wouldn't you? She was a horror fan then. Yeah, but you would. Of course, these things would scare you. I felt it was beating deeper in my chest than my old heart had. I felt different. When I asked the surgeon, he explained that he'd had to position my heart further back than the old one to fit it in. It was nice to know that I still had some kind of connection to reality. I was also deeply thankful to a family that I'd never met who had made it possible for me to bypass death and rejoin the world. When I told Gail Eddy, the transplant programme coordinator, how I felt, she suggested writing to the donor's family to express my gratitude. While I couldn't know their identity or give them my name, I knew my donor was an 18-year-old boy who had been killed in a motorcycle accident. Because I was the first person in the state to have such an operation, there was a lot of publicity and two reporters came to the hospital to interview me. One asked, Now you've had this miracle, what more than anything else would you like right now? Actually, I replied, I'm dying for a beer. (laughs) I was mortified to have given such a flippant answer and I was very surprised. I don't even like beer. But the craving I felt was so specifically for the taste of beer. That evening, an odd notion occurred to me. Maybe the donor of my new organs, from this young man from Maine, had been a beer drinker. Was it possible that my new heart had reached me with its own set of tastes and preferences? (laughs) This was a fascinating idea. During those early days, I had no idea that I would look back on this curious comment as one of the first of many mysteries that lay after the transplant. Or that, in the months ahead, I would sometimes wonder who was choreographing changes in my preferences and personality. Was it me or was it the heart? On the fifth day, although my body was doing absolutely fine, I fell into a profound despair. Part of what I was experiencing was post-operative depression but I was also going through the early stages of an identity crisis. I mentioned my feelings to Mr. Baldwin, but he told me to not even think about it and just get on with my life. (laughs) A month later, I left the hospital and moved into a medical halfway house for a a few miles away. Now that I could eat like a normal person, I found bizarrely that I developed a sudden fondness for certain foods that I hadn't liked before. Snicker bars, green peppers and Kentucky Fried Chicken takeaway. That's a weird meal. Yeah, altogether. Do you think she kind of Absolutely, mixes it yeah. all up? 
Probably. Yeah. As time went on, a strange question crept into my mind. Although I hadn't thought much about my donor, I was acutely aware that I was living with a man's heart. I wondered whether it would be conceivable that this male heart might affect me sexually. But after the operation, while I still felt attracted to men, I didn't feel the same need to have a boyfriend. I was freer and more independent than before, as if I'd taken a more masculine outlook on life. My personality was changing too, becoming more masculine. I was more aggressive and assertive than I used to be, and more confident as well. I felt tougher, fitter, and I stopped getting colds. Even my walk became more manly. Stopped getting colds? I mean... Is that a masculine... I don't know. Why are you walking like that? My teenage daughter asked. You're lumbering, like a muscle-bound football player. This new masculine energy wasn't limited to my walk. (laughs) I felt a new power that I associated with strength and vibrancy. A certain feminine tentativeness had fallen away. I mean, just pausing there, I mean... It is amazing, but she has been given a new lease of life, hasn't she? Yes. So With some strings attached. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. I'm just wondering how much of this is psychological if she knew she was getting a male heart and she's mm. been given this new chance of life. I don't know. Just a, just a thought. Mm. My sexual preferences didn't change in an overt way. I remained heterosexual, but something had shifted deep within me and I could tell that others sensed it too. I became friendly with a blonde woman I met at a conference. We spent some time together, and when the conference finished, I invited her to stay with me for a few days. It was innocent on my part, or so I thought, but as soon as we were alone, she made it clear that she was interested in a sexual relationship. I declined her invitation, but her surprise at my lack of interest made me wonder what kind of signals I'd been sending out without realising. Around this time, I also had the most unforgettable dream of my life. In it... I was in a grassy outdoor place. It was summer and I was with a tall, young, thin man with sandy-coloured hair. His name was Tim, possibly Tim Layton, I'm not sure. I thought of him as Tim L. We seemed to become good friends. As I walked away from him, I felt like something remained unfinished between us. I returned to say goodbye and we kissed. I seemed to inhale him into me with the deepest breath I had ever taken. I felt like Tim and I would be together forever. When the dream was over, something had changed. I woke up knowing Tim L was my donor, and though some parts of his spirit and personality were with me now. I wanted to check out this information, but the transplant programme observed a strict code of confidentiality. I called Gail Eddy, the transplant coordinator. Although she couldn't tell me who my donor was, I hoped she could confirm the name Tim L. When I asked Gail, there was a pause. I'm not supposed to discuss this with you, she replied. Let it go. You're opening up a can of worms. Several months later, out at the theatre, I met Fred, a rather handsome guy from Florida. We talked about my transplant and the donor. He said he'd been moved by my story and, bizarrely, had had a dream in which he'd seen my donor's obituary. Together, he and I decided to go to Boston and search the newspapers for my donor's obituary. We soon found the item we were searching for, an obituary for an 18-year-old who had died in a motorcycle accident. His name was Timothy Lamarand. My dream about Tim was true after all. The clipping had mentioned five sisters and two brothers. The family of my heart were right there on a piece of paper. A few days later, I met Gail Eddy and told her what had happened. 
I asked her if she thought it was possible that Tim's name had been spoken by one of the doctors during my surgery. I was wondering the same thing, said Gail. But the doctors are never aware of the donor's name. Besides, Mr Baldwin works in near silence. Not a word is spoken. Around nine months later, I had another dream about Tim. I felt he was doing everything to send me to his parents' house, so I contacted his family. I wrote to them and they agreed to me visiting them. I drove to Milford in the state of Maine with a close friend. We waited in the car park where Tim's father would meet us. A large brown car drove slowly into view. I was incredibly nervous and surprised to find three of Tim's sisters there to greet me. So there I was with Tim's heart inside me, sitting on Tim's couch next to Tim's mother and we were talking about the weather. We exchanged small talk before being joined by Annie, a fourth sister, who was closest in age to Tim. Leaning against the mantelpiece, she looked me in the eye and said, So tell us how you found us. The only thing which interrupted my story were the exclamations of amazement. When I finished, many eyes were misted over with tears. None of the other people who received his organs have been in touch, said Carla, Tim's sister. I learned that in addition to his heart and lungs, the family had donated his eyes, kidneys and liver. Mrs Lemerand, or June as she asked me to call her, went to, the, uh, went to another room and returned with a framed photograph. Sitting on the couch, she turned the picture so I could see it. Tim wore glasses, although I hadn't seen him in that way in my dreams, and in this photo he looked about 14. He was dressed in formal clothes, standing beside a priest, oh. as you do. Yeah, fine, fine. But even with the glasses, I could see the sparkle in his eyes that I recognised. Now the tears flowed. I felt a bond between us like nothing I'd ever known. I paused to take a breath, and Tim's lungs filled up with air. Except, they're my lungs now. June said Tim had had a tremendous amount of energy. His sisters described how difficult it was to babysit him, and how he had tried to run away. He was so restless, one of them added. Perhaps it explained why I now had so much energy. Was he a beer drinker, I asked. His sisters nodded. And when I told them how I'd wanted a beer as soon as the operation was over, they all smiled. Later that weekend, before going home, I went to dinner with the family at a local restaurant. In Tim's honour, I ordered chicken nuggets. That sounds sensible. Yeah. As we walked back to their house, June asked if I wanted to come in for a dessert. Once again, June disappeared and returned with a huge cake decorated with a single word. Welcome. Chocolate, she said. Tim's favourite. The end. That's a really nice story it's lovely, for this isn't podcast, it? isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a lovely, very sad, it's not scary, is it? It's a, a very sad, bittersweet story, mm. isn't it? Um, and yeah, I think it's amazing. And that is all true as far as I know. Yeah, okay. Incredible. You know, she, she's got a second chance of life and that family has some kind of comfort from their son's death. You know, yes. They've met like the person it. that he saved and there's some of his personality within her. That's It's just incredible. Yeah. So I hope you enjoy, I know it's quite long, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so I guess that's all for now. I don't know why I do this voice at the end of the story. Well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but you seem to enjoy doing it, so it's uh, fine. Um 
So uh, do get in touch with us if you would like to on the socials. You can email us at ghostgeekuk at gmail.com. Absolutely. Send us uh, your real life uh, horror stories if you've experienced anything paranormal and send us your film recommendations and your song recommendations. All of the above. All of the above. Or none of it. Or just say hi. Yeah. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We shall. We shall. Song next. Song next. Let's Mm. go find a song. Let's go find a song. Okay. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.